Good morning, church. I can still say that, right? We're not a social gathering. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? So I will assume that all of you did your homework. Did you? You guys are looking at me like, I didn't know there was homework. You didn't know you were supposed to pray for the person who is going to preach? And then they said, we us are the only ones who work on Sunday. Um, I visited somebody this, uh, this week at the hospital, and I was, while I was there, there were other people uh, visiting the person that I was visiting. And uh, as I got, I was asked to pray for that person, uh, I, I noticed from the conversation that the other person over there is, was not a churchgoer. And so one of the family of the person that I was visiting uh, asked him very graciously if, she wanted, if he wanted to get out of the room or stay. He was welcome to do whatever. Uh, and he said, uh, we all need prayer. We all need prayer. Do we agree on that? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we give you thanks this morning for a beautiful day, Lord, although it's hot, but uh, we love it, Lord. We thank you for uh, just be here, uh, Lord, in your name. We pr I pray that um, we will say just as the psalmist says, that as the deer longs for the stream of water, so that we may long for you, Lord. I pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So uh, the scripture reading for this morning uh, comes from Joshua chapter 1. Um, so I'm going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 9, uh, and the word of the Lord says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses 8, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, all from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, all the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the, to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always in your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm, um, I'm almost certain that you've heard this passage before. 
And do you probably have heard great messages about it, and you have a clear idea uh, of what he's talking about. But today I want to ask you to uh, put those uh, set ideas aside. Uh, and today I got permission to not to be very theological. Don't tell that to my professors. Uh, but we're just going to try to read it as normal people. How about that? Are we all normal people? Amen. <laughs> So, the easiest way I find to do that, you know, sometimes we, we, we start reading the Bible and we're like trying to discover all these uh, deep truths of it. Uh, but today, I just, I just want to read this passage. And just, uh, let's start noticing the obvious. How about that? So, the obvious thing is that this uh, passage, uh, there is at least four characters on it. So the first character that is mentioned over there is Moses, whose name literally means drawn out of the water. Uh, it's important to notice those names in biblical times. The name had a meaning for the person. So you all know the story of Moses, how do he got that name, and, and, and why is it important for us uh, to think about it? Well, it says in, in, in this passage that he was the leader of Israel. He was the one God used to free their people from slavery, from the oppression. He conducted all these people through the wilderness, uh, facing hunger, facing thirst, unpredictable, unpredictable enemies, unexpected outcomes of the journey. He even faced the, the, presence, the physical presence of God in Mount Sinai as he received the Ten Commandments. Everything that we know of Moses is written probably uh, between Exodus chapter 1 all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Uh, but it's not just the biography of Moses' life. It, it is actually a covenant document that celebrates God's making of the redemptive people of Israel in the fulfillment of his promises to the patriarchs and, declare, and declares the glory of God and the nature of his relationship to them. In other words, it's, this is where we find how God mold and shape all these people to become His people. Now, why is that important to us? Why do we need to reflect? Why is that obvious in this passage? Well, the obvious reason is in, on verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And when we read that declaration, I don't think we grasp the magnitude of that event. We read it like another, somebody else is dead. But it, it, it is not what is trying to be conveyed by this. Moses is a great leader who has achieved these stunning events in the life of the people of God. And he is no longer there to lead these people. He has huge implications. That's why it's important for us to understand that when they say, Moses, my servant, is dead, is huge. Second character, Joshua, whose literal name means Yahweh delivers. You know, Yahweh is the personal name, the Hebrew name of God. Uh, so 
Jawa delivers Joshua, uh, was born in Egypt while uh, their slaves over there. And we start hearing a little bit uh, of, of Joshua in the book of Exodus when, remember the moment where Moses is going into the hill and he's raising his hands while there is a battle happening in the battlefield. While Moses is there praising God, who do you think is conducting the battle down there? Joshua. He was with Moses in the mountain while Moses got the Ten Commandments. He was one of the twelve spies that went into the land of Canaan. And he was one of the two that came up with the positive report. So let me give you a little disclaimer over here. In the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom, says the Word of God. But in this particular case, although everybody saw something different, Joshua and Caleb saw the positive outcome. We don't hear about Joshua just in this particular instance. It, it didn't happen that when Moses died, God said, Oh, oops, Moses died, so we're just going to name uh, Joshua as his successor. successor. Joshua, in Numbers 27, we see verse 18 that God said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom in the spirit of leadership lays. So there is something about Joshua that God has noticed, that God has worked in his life. Not only that, verse 5 of what we just read, he gets some astonishing promises. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. How would you feel if you hear that from God speaking of you? I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Third character, the Israelites, the people of God. There have been 40, 430 years as slaves in the, line, in the land of Egypt. But through the mighty hand of God, they're, they're being free from slavery. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen, seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying of because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Do you think what he spoke to Joshua is only for Joshua? Do you think it's for you too? Do you think his concern for the people of God in Egypt is just for them and not for you? Interestingly, after 430 years of slavery, they're free into the wilderness, and the first thing they encounter is the Red Sea. And their first trial, what happened? They said, let's go back. Let's go back. No wonder they spent 40 years wandering in the desert. No wonder the entire generation was not allowed into the promised land. Now what makes it scary is that I don't know that we will act any different than them. 
And yet, this is still the people of God. Look at verse 4 when, when he says, uh, they, too, they too got all these remarkable promises on verse 4. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, the Mediterranean Sea, and in the west. I don't know geographically how is that, but it sounds like a pretty good deal. Right? And finally, we get to the last character of this story, God. God, who is the liberator, who is the provider, who is the one that holds everything together. He is the one that fulfills all these promises. Verse 6, he, he talks to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead, will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. He is the one that fulfills all these promises. So now that we get at least the picture of what is going on, the reason that I wanted to invite you to just read it as a normal people, because I'm sure if you keep reading the, the book, you'll see that they did as, the, as they were supposed to. They, they obeyed uh, Joshua. They, they took his command and moved forward. Uh, and a little bit ahead on the book says that they, they said, everything you said we will do, and those who are in disagreement will put to death. Aren't you glad we don't do that anymore? If you disagree with something? However, because I think they were normal people like us, in spite of all these uh, wonderful works that they've seen God done in their, in their lives, everything that they have witnessed, I think they only heard one thing. Change. Change is coming. Joshua is not Moses. Things are going to be done in a different way. I believe change is constant in our lives. And sometimes most of us dislike change. Things are done different ways that we are accustomed. Change comes into our health as we get older and we cannot always do the things we used to do, right? Now I have to use glasses to see afar and not glasses to see from front. Change comes when our parents move in with us or when our grandchildren move with us. Change comes if we move stages in life from um, junior high to high school, maybe college, maybe marriage is in the horizon, maybe even heading toward retirement. Change comes if we move jobs or even if we don't move jobs and our boss change above us. Change comes when the paychecks change and we no longer afford the lifestyle we were used to. Change comes when we get the new leader that may not or have a different uh, or is different than our own idea of what a good leader looks like. Change come in many forms and in many fashions. Now, what I want you to focus is that although Moses 
was dead in this, his, in this story. Although Moses is this great character who's done all these things, God's purpose is quite a light for them. Joshua was the key figure to fulfill God's purpose, but it's not Joshua's purpose. It's not Moses' purpose. It's God's purpose for the people of God. His instructions were explicit and clear. Joshua was to assume immediate command. Verse 5, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can, you. can you read what is written in between the lines? Can you hear God saying, Trust me. As I was with, with Moses, as he did all these great works, I will be with you. So he's saying, trust me. It's not about Moses. It's not about Joshua. It's about who God is for them. It's about who God is for us. So my one and only point of this message in your outline over there, trust God. Trust God. Proverbs says, trust God with all your heart and lead not in your own understanding. I know it sounds simple. I know it is simple. But we just make it complicated. You know why? Because we don't want to give control. We want to stay in control. We want to trust God, but let me do my thing. You're in control, but I want to do this. Somebody said, there is God, but I know I am not he. I am not he. 1 Church, God is still alive. Here, trust him. So my personal experience about change and trust came as I um, got married. Can we agree that that's a big change in our lives? Can I get an amen? Um, so I was uh, not finished uh, my uh, school of dentistry. And I had a friend that had a, a, like a ceramic type of um, um, factory. And uh, he gave me an idea that I could start selling those things. And I did. And I did pretty good. And I got uh, what I thought at that moment was a lot, of, a lot of money. And I thought there was a great idea to ask my wife to marry me. Of course, for my father-in-law, that wasn't a great idea. And, uh, and we got married, and he was not happy. He did not like me. As a matter of fact, nobody in my, in my wife's family liked me at all. Um, and, um, well, uh, the time went by. Uh, we, we got our miracle, our twins. Uh, my mother-in-law passed away, so we had to move and live with my father-in-law. And uh, my father-in-law wasn't a rich man, but he, he's done well for himself. And, and, and so he was always there for us, helping us to uh, move uh, forward. And, uh, but one day, 
we decided that it was time to move to the U.S., and we moved. About six months later, he, he came furious. Why have you done this? Why have you taken my daughter and my granddaughters away from me? And he said, anything you owe, I will pay. Any issue that you have, I will resolve. But we knew we were here for a different purpose. It was not about that. But we had to decide to trust God. It was not easy. I went to seminary when I preached my first time uh, as a pastor. It was one member and my entire family. And he was one of them. I served him communion. And he said, now I understand. Now I understand. But we had to trust God. We had to trust God. I named this message, Windshields are not rear view mirrors. And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I know everybody knows that. Uh, well, maybe not everybody, but <laughs> most of us know that, right? Most of us know that we can just drive through our rear view mirrors. Rear view mirrors are good. It's good to look back and see everything that God has done in our lives, the wonders that He's performed in our past. But what is in front of us is even more important. What is ahead of us is even more important because God is not done with us yet. God is not done with us here at First Church. God is not done within my own life. God is not done with your finances, with your relationship, with your health. God still at work. Amen? Earlier we were talking how hot it is outside. And yesterday it was extremely hot. So I'm sure you all know these devices that we call uh, thermometers. Right? Now imagine the thermometer let us know how hot or how cold it is. But imagine that's the only thing we can do with that. So we know it's hot and there's nothing we can do about it. Thank God we have something that is called a thermostat. What do we do with the thermostat? We adjust what the thermometer is telling us, right? The thermometer is telling us it's too hot. So we adjust the thermometer, the thermostat, so that we can be comfortable. Why do I say that? Because a lot of times I feel that when we read the Old Testament, we think it's like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. That's something that was spoken years ago. But that is not true. The New, we use the New Testament as a way to understand what is done in the past, to apply it to our lives. To understand that all these promises that God gave to Joshua are still alive for all of us. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but 
then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I trust that all of you have been to the dentist. Do you ever wonder that when you go to a dentist, he's able to see what he do with that little mirror he put in your mouth? And you're like, I hope he has good glasses or like magnifying something to be able to see. Because it's like looking at a, at a reflection. As, as a dentist, I had a, a, a professor that, um, believe it or not, made me cry. He was a mean old guy. Nobody wanted to take classes with him. Because he will make sure you learn. And I appreciate him every day when I practice. Because he taught me one thing. Never, ever, ever do anything if you can see what you're doing. One of the times in my practice, I got a call from one of my colleagues that is trying to extract uh, a wisdom teeth or tooth. Um, and she's been like four hours with this patient. And, 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 and she, at that point, she's desperate. She doesn't know what to do. So I said, you know, I, I, I can't move my office, but if you, if you bring your patient over here, I can help you. And she did. And she was, like, she was shaking. She didn't know what to do. The patient was out of control. So I, I sat him in my chair. I, I said, just don't worry. Everything will be fine. Uh, you couldn't touch him because he was in pain. And I knew he wasn't in pain. He was completely numb. But he was nervous. So I just come for him and said, just be cool. Let me just open and see. And I opened, I, I cleared my, what, I, what I needed to see. I saw what it was there, I grabbed it, took it, took me five minutes because I was able to see what was the problem. The problem with trusting God is that we not always are able to see. However, we're not in charge. He is. That's why trusting it's about faith, because we need to trust that He is in charge, that He knows where we're going. People of Israel didn't know where, we, where they, go, they were going, but He was in front of them. He, do we believe that He is still in front of us? Amen. He is still in front of us. And so we have to understand that Although we cannot see everything now, there will be a time where everything will be clear to us as we are fully known to Him. He is the one that knows us, that knows everything that troubles us. Amen? Well, I, I, some of you know me and, and, and know that I, I like uh, movies a lot. And one of the movies that I like a lot is an Avatar. And in that movie, the, the, the people, the indigenous people of this planet somewhere over there, uh, when they're communicating, uh, they talk about, I see you. But seeing more deeply than just seeing the physical aspect. 
And it turns that there is a war for the Sulu tribe that is used not only for them, but a lot of people in, in Africa, and that war is Saubona. The Saubona literally means, I see you, you are important to me, and I value you. You know, why is this important? Because it is until I stop focusing on myself and I focus on others that I can learn how to fully know other people, fully know about the purpose of God and not just about my own purpose. I see you. You are important to me and I value you. It is a way to make possible for other peoples to be visible. It's about, it's about a way to learn how to trust God. So I just want to finish today saying God's purpose is quite alive today. For His church with the big C in the world, for this church right here, for your lives, for my life, and nobody will stand against that purpose. Amen? Father God, Lord, uh, Lord, we come to you with our hearts open, Lord, to tell you or let you see what we can let other people see about our fears, about our doubts, about our distrust. But Lord, I want to pray today that you filled us with your Spirit in a way that we know and understand that you are in control of our lives. That you are the one that holds everything together. That you are the one that fulfills your promises. As you did for the people of God in Israel, you will do for us today here. So we pray, Lord, that you let us see your mighty hand working in our lives. We pray that knowing, Lord, that in your word we, we see that even before we open our mouths to say these words, you already know what we need and you already given provision for it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.